Welcome to Uncontained and Happy Thanksgiving. I, like so many of you, are taking the holiday off, and uh, I, I can't leave you without anything to listen to, so I am going to give you one of my favorite episodes that I've done. It's an episode I recorded with American Idol contestant Rocky Peters, and I think it's a very fitting episode for for the Thanksgiving season because it shows a lot of what we should be thankful and how he was able to be thankful with even when he had nothing. Uncontained will be back next week with a brand new episode for you. We got a few things lined up. Uh, revisiting Halloween with an uh, interview I did with Ying Liu uh, from the Haunted Bay and uh, did that at the Warfield in San Francisco and uh, then uh, got a couple other things for you as well along with J.V. Torres, another podcaster who has a story podcast uh, episodic The Rise of King Asylus. But I won't keep talking to you. Enjoy your turkey or tofurkey or whatever you're eating for Thanksgiving and uh Hopefully it's not tofurkey because that just sounds wrong. Uh, Have a great Thanksgiving and I will talk to you next week. Welcome to Uncontained, episode 92. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render, and this episode of Uncontained happened completely by chance. Yes, I was standing in line waiting to buy my three things of ice cream at the grocery store and... I ran into Rocky Peter from American Idol. Rocky is a self-taught musician whose uh, musical influences range from reggae, soul, pop, and folk music. He made it to the group rounds, but that wasn't the most interesting part about him. This man has an amazing story. He's overcome so many things to get to where he's at today, including being abandoned as a two-year-old in Nigeria after being born in the United States, then being homeless after graduating college and continuing to push through to uh, follow his dreams and his passion of music. And before we jump into the interview, I do have a track coming up for you from Rocky. It's called Good Day. You can find that on his YouTube page and Spotify. Also, just want to let you know that Tee Public is having a sale right now so you can actually get uncontained merchandise at a discounted price. It's a pre-Black Friday sale, so you can give uncontained for Christmas. I haven't been able to say that before, so that's pretty cool. Please, any help for the show is appreciated, whether it's buying merchandise or just spreading the word of the show. So I'd like to just take a minute to acknowledge the men and women who have uh, provided service to our country overseas and domestic, keeping it safe. Happy Veterans Day and uh, thank you for your service. I don't want to keep you waiting any longer. This is an interview that definitely helped inspire me after talking to Rocky. So please enjoy his track, Good Day, and we'll jump right into the interview with Rocky Peter. Arise and shine, the birds are singing by my window. 
How you doing, Rocky? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you, Erin. All right, great. Well, thank you for joining me. It's kind of crazy how we met. Like we were standing in line at the grocery store, and、uh, somehow we started talking, and it's like, oh my god, that guy's on American Idol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's、uh, amazing, right? Like you can run into people anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And now. You have a very, very interesting story on growing up and how you got into music.、Uh-huh. Um, we'll touch on like your story growing up here in a little bit. But how did you end up getting into music? Well,、um, yeah, I, I started singing、uh, since I was five. <laughs> okay, and、um, I just naturally sang.、Um, I, I never had lessons or anything like that.、Um, I just loved singing, so singing was a form of therapy for me growing up、uh, because of some of the obstacles I experienced. And I did it for a very long time until I got to a point where I lost my voice due to puberty. <laughs> <laughs> that happens to the best of us. Yeah, and then I took a break and <laughs> and.、Uh, <laughs> And then I, I I got back to a point where in college I I studied biological sciences so I have my degree in in biological sciences. Wow. And yeah, so、um, but during the process,、uh, I realized I was going through a lot of stress and a lot of pain and thinking about a little too much,、uh, especially being here in the United States without without my family.、Um, Close by, so I asked myself, "How were you able to overcome some of the major obstacles you overcame in Africa?" And the answer was very simple: music. Okay. And I sang every single day. I didn't sing because, oh, you know how some people are like. When I grow up, I want to be a musician. I never had that as a kid. I never dreamt about being a musician. I just knew that I loved singing. Okay. I never sang because oh I'm gonna go sing because I'm gonna go practice. No, I just sang every single day for hours because I absolutely loved singing. So that's that's the best way to do it too, you know, because、like, <laughs> then you know you won't get sick of it. It won't become a job. It's something that like comes from inside you. Yes. Yeah. So and I started writing music when I was nine years old. Um and I didn't know it was a talent to to compose. You know, I'd,、yeah. I'd just make up songs and I'd memorize the 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 pattern of the songs. Um, they weren't like completely always arranged in pop standard arrangement, but I had my own unique arrangements. Um, it wasn't until later on when I started paying more attention that I realized, okay, maybe I have to. Arrange my music in a certain form, but、um, you know, I would just make up songs about my life, about my journey, and、uh, I eventually found out that I kind of had the air for music.、Uh, you know, I remember the first time、uh, I went to、uh, a, a church,、uh, yeah. and I saw a piano, and I I just played random things that I I would hear, like random melodies. And I never had lessons in 
people were just mind blown. Like, how are you doing that? Like, you know, <laughs> so I had no experience. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, ha- I have like a pretty good relative pitch. Yeah. Uh, perfect pitch comes with training because obviously you have to know the name of the notes and, you know, like I didn't even know music notes went from A to G when I was playing uh, the piano with relative pitch. Literally, yeah. I would hear melodies and just play them. Gotcha. But yeah. So, um, so I kind of knew there was something there musically, but I didn't quite know until it became an obsession in college. The obsession to find my happiness that I had when I had nothing. You know, yeah. when I was in the streets eating food from trash cans, drinking water from potholes, those days where how did I how did I stay happy? I, I started asking my questions. What kept me happy? Because I was a pretty happy kid. You really? know, I experienced a lot of pain, but somehow I, you know, there was a certain level of gratitude and joy and and optimism uh, through my childhood. So um, as an adult, I started asking myself, how was I able to maintain that level of happiness? And now that I rediscovered myself and find out that it was because I was singing and I didn't even think it was that for a while um, because I did it naturally. Like I said, you know, I just did, you know, so I used to think everybody could sing when I was a kid. (laughs) (laughs) I did. (laughs) Yeah, you could see why, right? Because if it comes so easy to you, but yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> further than it can't get much further than the truth from everybody being able to sing. <laughs> yeah, when I got older, I realized that, uh, well, that was a, <laughs> a misconception that I had, but I thought people just choose not to, but people could, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so. And you know, there's the theory that everybody can sing, but a lot of it's like your self consciousness gets in the way and stuff like that. And I'm one of those people like I, I can't sing I can do voices I can like talk in front of people but get me on stage and be like here sing something <laughs> I freeze up so that yeah. is definitely a skill that you have my friend yeah. <laughs> thanks <laughs> so um, we talked a little bit about your childhood as you we were talking about music making you happy yeah um, I don't want to dwell on your past but just so people know like what what exactly was your childhood like well um you know just very briefly um i have this accent so uh (laughs) (laughs) when i tell people that i'm a cowboy uh they might get a little confused but i'm an african-american cowboy (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, okay, please explain. Um, so, yeah, so I was born in, like, the countryest place you could ever imagine. I was born in Oklahoma. Really? Yeah. So um, my parents came out here. Um, uh, my father was uh, an engineer. And, um, you know, his father did pretty well in life. The secret I don't like to share with people about my father's father but he did very well in a legit way. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, my dad came out to U.S. and he got married and uh, had kids and sent us to Africa after him and my mom got in a fight. 
Um, he just sent you to Africa. He took us to Africa. Okay, uh, he took us there and and just left us there. Okay. So he abandoned us and came back to U.S. And that's how I got exposed to the African culture. Uh, and my mom was not completely mentally stable. Um, she was a great mom when she when she had it going on, but she wasn't always there. Uh, so my younger brother and I, we grew up close, very close, because okay. my older brother, there were three of us, my older brother died um, oh. after we got to, to, to Nigeria. It was, it was pretty, like, different for him. Yeah. Going to having, like, you know, going from the United States to, to Nigeria was, like, a big transition for him. Uh, How old was he at the time? I'm not sure. I think like four years old. You know, I was two, uh, and my younger brother was just one. Okay. So, um, but I think it was for him. He already can't. When you're four or five, you know, you get an idea of what's going on, and uh, so it was a dramatic change for him. So he couldn't really handle the the change um so he was gone but long story short my brother and i we when i when i gained the consciousness of knowing who i was as a kid age four five that self-discovery of knowing that i'm a human being uh yeah. you know i i found myself most of the times in in the streets my younger brother and i roamed the streets with a group of kids known as almajiris uh, what does that mean or does that translate to anything the almajiris are the poorest kids in the nigerian society the absolute poorest like we roam the streets with no shoes no clothes uh and we carried bowls of plates and begged random strangers for food and uh you know there's this miscon there's this uh, thing in in america where People make fun of fat people. Uh, it's not so, you know. When I was growing up, when you see a, when you see a fat kid, you wanted to follow them home. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. We got to discover where you got that food from, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so literally, we would follow random kids home. <laughs> as funny as that sounds, uh, and uh, to see uh, if their parents could feed us. And we go to random strangers' homes sometimes. Sometimes we would get fed and sometimes we would get kicked out. Yeah. But it was always worth the try. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Home-cooked meal versus, you know, scavenging the streets trying to find something. Uh, you definitely want the home-cooked meal every time, man. Um, yeah. So was the fat – was? Was it in African culture that fat kids were looked at as like kind of wealth and like well, well provided for? Or is it like because in America, you know, now we have like the fat shaming, as you mentioned. But yeah. I do know like in some cultures, at least in the past, it was like that guy's fat. He's rich. You know, this is true. Yeah. Like in for the most part, you know, fat kids are looked at as, you know, you're doing well, you know. You must, you you eat. <laughs> That's a start, you know. Um, but, you know, it's uh, it's kind of, it's different. It's a different culture. Um, now, 
my journey, I want to say this uh, very clear because um, I've had some people, like um, some Nigerians, ask me, like, you should stop sharing your story. It makes us look bad because we didn't have that kind of upbringing and there's this stereotype that people think, oh, all Nigerians are poor, which is far from the truth. All Nigerians are not poor. Okay. Even in my particular situation, there's a story I don't like to share, like I said earlier, but I kind of feel comfortable sharing it. Um, it's I don't share this very often, but my my grandfather was a king for over 20 years. Really? Yes. And my father is a prince. You know, so what makes my story crazier growing up dirt poor is that my grandfather didn't know. He was very generous, too. Before he died, he, you know, he helped people, like, change people's lives. He had no clue we were in a different side of the country suffering. Yeah. So, um, so my, uh, my father, you know, grew up not poor, you know. And, yeah. Uh, so, you know, and there are many, there are many successful people in, in Nigeria. Uh, and, uh, so my story is not to necessarily put anyone down or say that all Africans are poor. And this is just my experiences in my life and yeah. the things I, I had to overcome, the things I, I've been through and the things I've had to overcome. So, for if there is any African or any Nigerian listening, just know that this is my personal life story and it has nothing to do with you or Africa. Okay. Uh, you know, so I just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> yeah, a little disclaimer. And for yeah. everybody else listening that's not Nigerian, not all of Nigeria is like this. Yes. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. Now that we got the disclaimer out of the way. Yes. So, um, yeah. So I grew up very poor in, in the streets and, um, you know, it, it's just a very long story. Like I'm kind of like thinking about what part of my story to share. Um, when I was nine years old, uh, my younger brother and I were enslaved. Really? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we worked a lot in the farms, getting beat up, uh, grossly underfed. Uh, you know, part of our jobs was like, you know, cooking, washing. Uh, there was no such thing as a laundry machine in the household <laughs> we lived in. So you kind of had to carry the, the clothes on big basins, carry them on your head and take them to the river and and wash for hours yeah so it was one of our jobs and and then we spent a lot of time uh in the farm just tilling the soil and planting harvesting and then preparing the crops taking them to the market to sell them uh we one of the cash crops we worked on was um something called cassava i i don't know if you know what that is it's uh, Sounds familiar. Is it a fruit or? It's a root. It's a like, root. Yeah, it's like a, it's kind of like a yam. Okay. But it's cassava. It's kind of like, it has a different texture to it. Um, that's how they make starch, you know, starch. Okay. Right? 
That's where you get kind of like a potato, from. or yeah, yeah. It's kind yeah, exactly, but bigger than potato. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah, so uh, it's one of the things we prepared, and we the preparation process from beginning to end is very time consuming, and it demands a lot of labor. So it's one of the things we did, but we were treated like second second class citizens. We were not allowed to sit on the same seats or you know, eat with the same bowls and plates and not allowed to use the same bathroom. Uh, it was pretty crazy. Even the food we cooked, we were not allowed to eat them because they were just too good for us. Really? So we were given lower wages to cook different meals. Um, but you could see why singing for me, when I, when I went to the farms, when I was doing any kind of physical labor, singing for me was like my way of hiding and escaping from that. So uh, that's kind of like the foundation for me, what got me into singing. Um, and I think I told you a little bit of my story when we first met. Uh, and here in yeah. the United States, singing has helped me overcome a lot of obstacles in Africa, which I could go on forever and ever. I'm actually writing a book on my story. Uh, but here in America, after college, you know, I was homeless, you know, so. Um, after college, after getting uh, after your, getting my degree, your degree, yeah, in biological sciences, I was homeless. You know, I I, I didn't have work. I, I was working, but it was a student job. Um, so after I lost my student job, um, I had nothing else. I looked for jobs and applied and couldn't find work. So I was homeless for a while, and but I never gave up. I kept singing. Um, but with within a short period of time, um, uh, well, I was homeless for over a year. So okay, it's not like that short. Yeah, but it's got to seem like a really long time being homeless too. It, you know, like <laughs> yeah. Well, here in America, for the most part, um, yeah. So yeah, exactly. So, but you know. Um, I applied for American Idol because a lot of people that heard me sing were like, you know, you got to get out there. Uh, the lady that gave me the guitar that I told you about, that was not my first guitar. My first guitar was uh, a different guy who was Asian. His name is Mr. Lee. Okay. Uh, he worked in a donut shop. And I used to go there and study at night, like all-nighters. And during my study breaks, I would go outside and sing. Outside yeah. donut shop. It was a 24-hour donut shop. It's called Fresh Donuts in Riverside, California, on Blaine and Watkins. So, uh, is the cross section for this for this shop. Okay. And I used to like go there, and during my study breaks, I'll go outside and sing. And one day, he like paid attention, and he heard me singing outside. He was like, what are you doing outside? You need to bring that in here. Like, I want to <laughs> hear you sing. And so when he heard me singing, he really believed in me that um, he said, come back tomorrow. I have a gift for you. I went back the next day. And he got me my first guitar ever. Really? Yeah. Did you have any clue how to play it at the no, moment? None. No clue at all. Okay. And, and uh, so he's uh, he asked me, do you know how to play? I was like, no. He's like, okay, like this will take you to the next level. If you can play this, this will take you to the next level. You need to you need to teach yourself how to play. Find a way to learn how to play. 
So I sat in that donut shop and just asked every single one that walked in, do you play guitar? I was shocked that how many people don't play guitar? <laughs> like <laughs> now that I play, it seems like everybody plays. But, you know, uh, I would just ask random people, do you play? Like uh, no clue. No one gave me any clues. So I just fiddled around with the guitar for a while. And when, if it sounded good, it was good. So I figured out some things that sounded good. And I just played, and eventually, like, I figured, why not just Google how to play guitar? So I went to the library, and I watched a few videos on YouTube, and within two weeks, I was playing the guitar. Really? Within two weeks? Within two weeks, I was playing that, the guitar. That is impressive. Like, I'm playing guitar, <laughs> and it's like my fingers are, like, you know, like, in working individually against each other and <laughs> it's yeah it's it's a challenge to get your fingers all coordinated but i'm guessing it was kind of like the piano where you kind of just like i hear that that sounds good yeah and just roll with it yeah but there was also a lot of hard work like i devoted an obsessive amount of time each day playing and to the point where my fingers bled and that yes. didn't stop me either, you know. You got to build up those calluses, Ex man. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I think if you repeat anything over and over and over again, within a matter of time, it just becomes muscle memory. You just get better at it. And if you repeat anything more consistently rather than just, you know, take out one large chunk of time a day and yeah. then take a week break, uh, if you just do it every single day consistently, you just get better at it. <laughs> so. Yeah, true. The whole like 10,000 hours thing. I think it's Malcolm Gladwell or mm -hmm. something like it. To be an expert at something, you got to put in like 10,000 hours worth of work. Yeah. So every day will make that 10,000 hours go by faster. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> so how did you go from getting your first guitar to applying for American Idol? Well, um, long story short, that first guitar got broken a little bit, and then it got stolen, the one that was given to me by Mr. Lee. Really? Um, and then I was borrowing guitars after that. I started borrowing guitars because now I kind of know how to play. And uh, American Idol, um, a few of my fans and friends, I started having hardcore followers that were just like, because they would hear my original songs and were just like, wow, like, that's actually really good. So I started playing um, a, a lot in the streets and people encouraged me to audition for American Idol or something, The Voice or something. Yeah. Um, but I was in Southern California and mind you, I had no money <laughs> to go anywhere or do anything. Yeah. So people helped me raise the money to come out to the Bay Area. And one of my friends from college called his mom and said, hey, you know, I have a friend who is really talented. I need I need him to stay in your house so he could, you know, compete for Idol. And and that's how I came out to the Bay Area. So I had fun, random people plus some friends make donations for me to come out here. So I had to compete before I even got on the show because you have to compete. There are some rounds you have to compete yeah. for. And eventually, uh, if you make it past those preliminary rounds and then 
uh, sync for the producers of the show. And there are like, I think, 11 of them. It's weird. A long table. And it's like 11 people. And it's like a bunch of cameras. Like the last round before the the TV round. Okay, so uh, you actually say they, it's not just uh, you go in and sing for the three judges. You have to sing for producers first. So they know who's going to be good and who's going to be like, you the, know, the outtakes from, from the auditions beforehand. They kind of do, yeah. They kind of know who's going to be great and who's just going to be absolutely terrible. Because that's what they go through. Over 100,000 people audition for this thing each year. So they have to produce a TV show that shows everyone that this is what we go through. We go through people that, you know, think they can sing but can't. And we got to find a way to show you this. Yeah. And we got people that are also amazing. And they select you know they kind of like ball it down to okay this is what we got this is the pool for what we're working with uh and the first people they select uh you you get like a, a golden ticket the first golden ticket you get by the celebrities is not your first golden ticket really yeah the the producers give you a golden ticket if they like you for any reasons or if they think you're kind of delusional, you know, yeah. whatever, for whatever reasons, why they choose you, they give you your first golden ticket. And then we all kind of know too, like the competitors, we all kind of know who's good because we sing for each other like all day during the, the, you know, preliminaries, we're all, you know, performing for each other. To kind of, yeah. because it's boring just waiting around. Oh, I imagine standing in line for hours. Yeah, but I, I, I was in Cow Palace. So after you get offline, then you got to sit inside in all those chairs, and there's so many people. And we all just bust out singing <laughs> for each <laughs> other, and we take turns. And yeah, so you kind of know who's like, you know, like, oh, that person got a chance. Yeah, I guess if you're going to be waiting in line, you might as well be waiting or sitting around with a bunch of entertainers, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah. And um, you also know people that there are a lot of people that are good that get caught too. Like they're, that are really, really good. for But for one reason or the other, we, we don't know this part. But... Uh, during the process, after you get your golden ticket from the celebrities, there are a lot of talented singers, some of them sounding like Beyonce, but they don't want a second Beyonce. Yeah. They- like, they feel like, we got Beyonce, you sound just like Beyonce. So, you know, maybe this is not necessarily the platform to, to promote what you do. Yeah. And then there is they are also image conscious too. Uh, sometimes they come out thinking we want to find the next Justin Bieber. And if you don't look like Justin Bieber, too bad, you know. Yeah, you're kind of out of luck. It's yeah, like a big it's... casting session. Exactly. Or... So it's their image conscious. Like it, they want you to look a certain way. Uh, sometimes they come in with preconceived notion of what they're looking for. Yeah. What they think the industry needs. Uh, does that mean they're not never wrong? A lot of times they're wrong. Like Tori Kelly didn't make it that far on Idol. Uh, she made it far, but she made it just as far as I did. Yeah. You know, like just enough where she got some exposure, but not enough to 
even go to the live rounds on the show. Yeah. I watched your audition for American Idol. Like the judges were like what, like Keith Urban, J Lo, and Harry Connick Jr. Right? Yeah. And uh, I'm speaking of like them talking about looking for a certain type or a like certain image they're going for. Uh-huh. Keith Urban even said like I like you, but I'm not sure if you're exactly like the style if your style matches american idol i kind of remember that part right there yeah what was it like working with the judges you have much interaction with them like when you're not shooting the show or um we do in the theaters when we're competing in the theaters but not all of us do like it depends on who for me i was always in the front of the theater so sitting next to the judges so i i had a lot of opportunities to interact yeah but if generally they're not i don't think they're necessarily allowed to interact with us they don't want the way the show is set up they don't want them to have favorites they don't want them to to be your friends yeah uh, during the process they eventually become friendly but part of the rules is like if if someone is your friend you have to be even more harsh to them because then it's going to look like, oh, you're only choosing them because you like them and they're your friend. That makes complete yeah. sense. That makes complete sense right there. Um, you know, I like there's two judges I like. Of course, there was like Simon Cowell back in the day just because he's a dick, you know, <laughs> he, he was entertaining the watch. But I like the one of the judge that you had that I really liked the best was like Harry Connick Jr. Yeah. I'll admit I didn't watch Idol that often, but it seemed like when it would come to him, he'd actually give people real actionable feedback and real advice where and it seemed like Keith Urban, J Lo would say everything was nice, everything was good. You know, oh that was so awesome, that was so awesome. Then Harry Connick Jr. would kinda of look at them and be like, No, okay, here's <laughs> what you like, do this, do that, and like he's I don't know. I kind of respected his opinion because I, I know of him as like a singer, piano player and everything like that. Yeah. So what was your take on the judges? I'm not asking you necessarily to talk trash on anybody, but <laughs> uh, what was it? What was it like with the judges? And did you have a favorite? Um, <laughs> I know this is going to sound political, but I, I honestly liked them all. You know, okay. Um, they're, they all are different. Uh, Harry Connick Jr. is a phenomenal pianist, a uh, phenomenal musician. Uh, J-Lo is the kind of lady that would, you know, entertain you in many different ways. Like, she can dance. She, she's all kinds of threats, yeah. you know, on, on stage. Uh, and Keith Auburn is an exceptionally great uh, guitarist. He has a little secret. Okay. Something that happened on the show. Keith Auburn played my guitar. And I don't know if this pissed him off, but it was not my guitar. It was a borrowed guitar. Remember, I was telling you my story. I was borrowing yeah. guitar. The guitar I played on Idol Audition was borrowed. Really? It was not my guitar. So this was before I met the lady that gave me this other guitar, you know, that really changed my life. Um, but, um, and Kid Auburn, because I, I was sitting at the front, so during breaks, would jam out. He would, like, play my guitar. And he asked me, can I sign it? You want me to sign it? And the first thing I thought in my head, it's not my guitar. 
But I didn't say that to him. I should have. But I said no. <laughs> and I didn't have a chance to explain myself. And I think that pissed him off. It could be one of the reasons why it, I'm not on the show. It could have been a I blow to know. his ego. It could have been a blow yeah, to his ego. Yeah. So. Like, <laughs> shit, he doesn't yeah. want me to sign his guitar. What a dick. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't so. he know I'm Keith Urban, damn it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then later on, I asked uh, the guy that gave me the guitar, uh, that lended the guitar to me. I was like, yo, Keith Urban, I don't know if you know him. I don't know if you're a fan. But, you know, he's a phenomenal guitarist and he asked to sign um, your guitar. Like, is it okay? He's like, sure. But the next show I was gone, I got cut out after that. Okay, so you didn't have a chance to go back and be like, hey, I checked and uh, the owner of the guitar says it's cool. Yeah, and he didn't get a chance to know also that it wasn't my guitar. So, you know, it's just a, a lot of things that, you know, so I didn't think of that until recently, not too long ago. I was thinking about, I was getting flashbacks yeah. about things. I was like, oh, man, like, dang, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> like that kind of came off bad. Yeah. But luckily, Keith Urban listens to every show of episode of Uncontained. No, <laughs> I, I just made that up. But <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe he'll stumble on this and find the truth out. But, uh, and then he'll feel bad that he cut you. so what round did you make it to in american idol i made it to the group rounds where you have to work with a group of people and um they give us the rules which is learn a new song they give us a list of songs we got to choose one out of those and if a different group chooses the song before you there's like a certain limit then you're not allowed to choose uh that like so they give us like a list and we select in um, random songs. We just choose one out of the list. Uh, and we have to learn all the words within a few hours and uh, wow. and come up with a dance, with dance moves and chore- choreographed dance moves and, uh, and go out and then perform it and, you know, add harmonies or whatever we got to do to make it sound great. So you only get a few hours to work on those songs? You get a few hours because the, before we before this round, we compete all day. At this point, everybody's exhausted. This is the part of the competition that I thought, I thought they got to fix something about this. And you're not allowed to do vocal exercises too. There is no like... like- no there, warm-ups? You, you not, there's no room. There's no, once, once you get to Ophium Theater, we're all in the theater during the competition. And I used to try to sneak into the bathrooms to do vocal exercises, and there are signs everywhere. Do not do exercises here. And What's the reason for that? I guess maybe is there a way of controlling sound and noise? Maybe if, if it's okay, then... You'd see every singer at every corner doing vocal exercises. Okay, and then it'd interfere with the performance or whatever of the other and person. It, yeah, and it may. Very you'd, true. You'd hear somebody in the background as they're singing something going, la, 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 <laughs> la. <laughs> exactly. Okay, but, I can understand that. I can understand that. I thought they were just like, we don't want you warming uh, up your voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's, I think they should fix that part. That's the part. If I would change anything, because you want singers to sound the best they can. Yeah. It's good for the singers and it's good for the show. If 
you have people warming up like they they provide is a way and another thing i didn't like is they make us feel like during the group rounds they make us feel like you know the way it's presented it's like oh you're going to be performing early in the morning okay so you know if you sleep you may not get a chance to do this so we stay up all night have you ever stayed up for two days straight pretty close not not quite two days completely straight but could you think about how weak your brain feels oh yeah you get brain mush after a while you cannot internalize anything so think about trying to memorize lyrics to a new song you know so um the edge goes to people who already know the random song they chose uh which it's like it's like gambling really like yeah. the probability of you knowing that one song one of the songs on the list out of thousands of songs that they could have chosen from let me extend that millions of songs they yeah. could have chosen from the probability of you knowing that one is pretty slim yeah so, definitely you know and then you know there are genres and uh that they choose from you know uh and they choose certain from certain genres but my advice to anyone who's doing a show like that is um <clears throat> would definitely be like to memorize like the top 50 songs on the radio gotcha and uh in addition to whatever they know uh yeah because they do choose those songs and now that i'm in the industry i think i know one of the reasons why they choose those songs it's also a way of promoting those songs exactly they yeah. get paid <laughs> money yeah um yeah by artists or record labels to have of those songs sang. of course yeah. of course okay now i know you have to be getting somewhere here before too long how are we yeah. doing on time like do we need um, to start um moving forward on to the final questions or <laughs> can we talk about what you're up to right now um yeah i mean like yeah so um I think, yeah, we can definitely move on to the, the final questions. And Okay. All right. Cool, man. Because I don't want to make you late for wherever you're <laughs> headed. Um, I'll try to try to get this going here. So you've been, well, singing since you were like five, as you said. So yeah. you've been around the mu music or music itself or the music industry for quite some time. What advice would you have for somebody who is looking to either get started out as a singer or maybe take it to the next level? Uh, my advice is do it for the love of it. It's like anyone that does anything would tell you that first you have to focus on the love of it. It's just not worth it to just risk everything if you don't love it enough. If you're just going in it for the fame and the money, good luck. You know, um, yeah, there have been a few people that have succeeded doing that. I don't knock that. There have been a few people that have admitted that they, they got in the music industry just to make money. Uh, it's unlikely, though, that you will last if you are only there for the fame and the money. If you however, you're passionate about it, just, you know, dedicate yourself did cut out a certain amount of time that you want to dedicate to your art every day. And, and do that every day and then find ways to share your art. Nothing is too small, really. Even though I had the American Idol exposure, my journey to get on, on the Nobel Peace Prize Award uh, forums and, and the Olympics 
and uh, some of the stuff I'm, I'm doing with the United Nations um, all started out in the streets. Yeah. I met someone, it's a very long story, but I met someone who knew people and one thing led to another. And before you knew it, I was, you know, working with people that are helping uh, take me to newer places in, in, in my career. Uh, people that have helped build my career to a point where now schools are inviting me. We need you to come and speak. You know, uh, we need you to come and perform because of the resume. And there are many ways to make music your your career. Uh, but it starts with the love. Like I said, you know, like anything can happen anywhere. And if you love it enough and you're passionate about it enough, you would do it anywhere. You know, like, yeah, yeah, that that's awesome, man. Uh, that's great advice that everybody mm -hmm. should heed to, you know, <laughs> and um, you mentioned a couple things in there that we haven't uh, I didn't get a chance to bring up mm -hmm. uh, talking in front of the Nobel Peace Prize audience and also performing at the Olympics real quick. Do you just want to say how that came about? Or well, if like I said, it's a very long or story. Or we have to, okay, yeah, we'll yeah. have to do a part two sometime, maybe. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. but uh, we'll just have to uh, move on for that right now. Yeah. And uh, then, uh, so what are you doing? Uh, you kind of touched on this just a little bit, but what are you doing to promote yourself? Um, one of the things I do is, you know, I, like I said, I do guerrilla marketing is a big one for me. I uh, I printed a lot of cards um, and I formed a team. So I have a team of people that believe in me and I ask them, I challenge their belief. You know, if you believe in me that much and you care about my message as well, you know, would you be able to put your you know, your money where your mouth is? Would you be able to invest your time into what I do? So I have a few assistants now and um, most of them are doing it because they believe in me. They're not doing it because I'm giving them a lot of money or all that stuff. And when I need things to get done, they handle it. You know, they take care of it. When I'm busy, when I'm on the road, when I'm playing shows, when I'm doing, yeah. let's say I needed like a thousand cards printed, I pick up the phone, call, you know, one of my friends uh, who is assisting with my career and they're all looking for opportunities for me, every single one of them. So in addition to me looking for opportunities for myself, they're all out there, you know, looking for opportunities. That's and awesome. Yeah, so I would, my advice is get a team. You can't do it alone. Nobody does it alone. You need a team, you know, challenge your friends. If you believe in me enough, you know, like and and you think I can make it in this field, you know, I would really appreciate it if you can devote 25 minutes, 30 minutes a day or, you know, an hour a week. You know, you get a few people that are devoting separate amount of times. You want to split the labor where it's not overwhelming on one person. Yeah. And you also have to know that you're the type you're a giving kind of person because people give to people who give. If you have a personality of take, 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 never give, it'll be harder to get your friends to help you. True. But if your friends know that this person, if I help them, oh, they got my back too. 
you know, like if I need anything from them, they totally got my back. If you have, you know, that kind of, if you share, if your personality portrays that, the probability of you forming a team is more likely. If your personality does not pro- portray that, you can learn anything, work on it. Yeah. Make sure that you work on caring about people, caring about your close friends and what you can do for their careers and how you can help them. That is some awesome advice right there. Enroll your friends into helping you out and be like, hey, dude, uh, you believe in me? You want to see me do this? Let's do this together yeah. you know, type thing. So that is great advice. And I may have to see if I can find anybody to recruit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And another thing is, you know, you need you need to be visible, you know, so get on if you don't have social media, get on social media, be more active on social media. Uh, get yourself a website uh, and share what you're about. There are people right now, uh, their music, it's, you know, completely like you would think will not succeed. Like they're talking about uh, abusing women or all kinds of stuff. And they have an audience. Everybody has an audience, you know, like, so find what you're passionate about. And for those, I'm not encouraging you to go to, crappy music that abuses people <laughs> because that's not what I'm about. But <laughs> uh, but I'm saying, you know, like find your audience and um, go out and you're going to get criticism. So everybody's not going to love you. I've met people that hate Michael Jackson and think he's not talented. I was like, that's the last thing you could say about Michael. Yeah, out can. of all things you could say about Michael, like, oh, his voice is really bad what like (laughs) it's like what like are you kidding me and i've met people that you know don't like adele yeah adele like that's like it's like (laughs) i don't even know like uh, how do you not like adele you know i've yeah so it's everybody to like them but like it's one thing not to like them but to say they're not talented is a whole different ball game because liking is personal preference. That's you know? that's but true. You can still respect talent uh-huh. and, not and, like and not like and not like it. Yeah, and well, I've I've met people, even John Mayer, phenomenal guitarist, amazing vocalist. I've met people that think he is a terrible, you know, singer, and his guitar is not that great, and he's amazing. So. I just want to, I'm saying this to encourage anyone that, that has been told that you're not good enough. Uh, you know, think about what you do, how much you love it and focus on people who do care, who care about what you're doing and like they genuinely care and they're genuinely fans and don't focus on the negative people. Cause I'm sure if I've met those negative people that are saying this about all those amazing artists like you know have you ever seen mean tweets mean tweets on jimmy oh, kimmel yes yes those are those are hilarious yeah but. so <laughs> but anyway that's just you know that says it all you know no matter how yeah. talented you are you're gonna have haters especially when the person who the tweet is about is reading the tweet and, <laughs> great. and just to touch on uh your uh comment about people say you're not good enough uh just uh you know find your audience and another thing to go along with that it takes a lot of time of not being good enough to get good enough you know this you're gonna true. have to go through the not good enough stage everybody does it and uh 
to get to the good enough stage. This is very true. Actually, I, I touched on losing my voice, uh, you know, during puberty earlier. Yeah. And um, during the process of gaining my voice back, uh, I got told to shut up a lot, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I've been there. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the same people that were like, you know, that's terrible. They had no idea that when I was a kid, people would just gather and watch me sing in the farms, like and leave everything they're doing and just watch me sing. So but I knew myself and I kept going and eventually I got my voice back. Um, and the same people that were like, you need to be quiet. We're hiring me for gigs, you know, mm -hmm. we're like, wow, like what happened? You know, like, <laughs> you know, like your voice <laughs> totally transformed. So it's like, and then I tell them my story. Like I actually have been singing for a while. My voice just changed and I kind of literally, I was bad. I lost my voice. I had to retrain my voice to get back to where it needed to be. So. Yeah, and you have a falsetto now. And so that was probably, I'm guessing that was a huge change because when you were a kid, you were probably able to actually hit that high note just singing regularly instead of switching over to a falsetto way of singing. Was that a big challenge there or am I just making that up? Well, the falsetto is something that I've always had since I was a kid. Now, um, that never like went anywhere. My actual like chest voice and you know, singing well and connecting that falsetto to the chest voice properly was what was lost, you know. Uh, but the falsetto has always been there, you know. Uh, and then uh, the more I did music, the more I started thinking about how to use it, how to use that high octave range yeah, uh, and connect it to everything else. So That's awesome, yeah. man. That's awesome. So... Um, you've had Idol, you've spoke at um, the Nobel Peace Prize winning. Or I yeah, I was Nobel actually Peace the, Prize. yeah, I was actually, I performed for the Nobel Peace Prize award forums as well as speak. Um, and I was the only musician in the last year's Nobel really? Peace Prize award forum. Yeah, so. It's because your story is probably so, so intriguing to people as well as your your musical talent as well. People believe in possibilities, right? That everything is possible. And if you have a kid who didn't grow up with with their parent, uh, were abandoned at the age of two, and then find a way to uh, escape slavery, uh, I sold myself uh, to be able to afford middle school because middle school was... Uh, I sold myself back into slavery after I escaped the first time Really, to a different family to be able to afford middle school because it was expensive. And and then I found a way to, to get back to U.S. and put myself through college and do English being my third language and graduate with a degree in biological sciences and now chasing my dream. When people hear the story, they hear possibilities. They hear they're inspired. They're like, you know, I can chase my dreams too. I can do this too, you know, because uh, this guy did it. You know, he didn't make excuses. He just he just does it. Yeah. And so people like to see that, and I think um, that is my, my that's my theme in life is just keep pushing. I have a song on YouTube. Uh, I think it has over a million views now. It's called Carry On. Uh, I performed it live at the Nobel Peace Prize okay. Award. I don't know if you've heard that. Yeah, I listened but, to, I've listened to a few like uh, YouTube yeah. tracks. I'm one of those billions <laughs> that have listened to it. Yeah, so, 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, carry on. It's you know, literally talking about you know what it means. You know, just don't give up. You know, you got to keep going. So, for those of you listening to this podcast, my final message is, you know, um, no matter what walk of life you're from, I don't know if you're an artist or uh, doing anything else. I just want to say that no matter how difficult it is that you stay encouraged and stay positive. There's something to be thankful for. Think about your life and think about some of the dreams you've had, but some of the things you wanted to, the place you wanted to be in life and think about how many of them that you have now, including living an extra day or an extra year of life. Yeah. And uh, think about all your blessings because when you think about the things you do have, suddenly you realize how lucky you are and suddenly you're encouraged to just jump. Like life is so short. Like I could have died a month ago in a car crash. You know, um, my car flipped so many times and they had to use the jar of life to cut me out of my car. Wow. You know, so, um, and I could have lost my life. And I can honestly, genuinely say that if I lost my life, I would die happy, the- you know, and and that's because I chose to chase my dreams. And while my car, you know, was flipping, I was conscious. And um, the only thing I could think about was playing music. I was actually on my way to a gig. And all I could think about was getting on stage and performing. You know, you know, and that's my my passion. I just love I love the feeling I get from from sharing my art. But I also love the feeling people get. I get a lot of emails, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, messages on Facebook and Instagram where people are like, yo, that one song you sang changed my life. It saved my relationship with my girlfriend or with my wife. And, you know, we listen to it over and over you know, um, and some of the songs are not even on the internet. It's people that have seen me in person at shows or, you know, like, and that are just like, where can we buy this song? And I'm like, I haven't released it yet. I want it to be a surprise where once I release my album, everything is not already there where you're like, yeah, I've heard that one. Yeah. You know, so I kind of want to hit people with surprise. So, awesome. yeah, so I'm leaving it at this, you know, don't give up, keep pushing, no matter how difficult the road is. And, appreciate your blessings one of the most important thing i think though in, in all journeys is gratitude you know no matter how small the gift that someone has given you uh being grateful uh genuinely being grateful for your the gift uh takes you places you know so yeah awesome man that that is that is just like I was sitting there kind of like, wow, I'm just listening to this. This is this is pretty awesome. Like, so you kind of answered one of the questions that I had before, uh, which was how do you want people to receive your music? What do you want them to take away? Um, just to I know you got to get out of here. Got like two more questions left for you. Uh, what is a highlight of your career? Not necessarily the highlight, but a highlight. A highlight of my career. Wow. Um, a highlight so far. Um, wow. It's really the personal relationships. You know how when you see people sing in the streets, they're like standing on the corner and yeah. busking 
And a lot of times people walk by and not even care. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the person sounds amazing, but people still don't care. And they just walk by. Oh, that sounds good. And they walk away. Um, the way I've approached one of my uh, marketing strategies, I literally walk up to people and I say, hello, how are you doing today? My name is Rocky. And I say nothing else, but I would love to sing a song for you. And and, and I believe that my purpose for being alive today is to use my art to bring joy to your day. And, and I genuinely mean this. And I genuinely believe this. And they're like, sure, of course. So <laughs> and, and and I sing for for those people and they become it becomes personal. Like no one has ever dedicated a song to me ever. Like you yeah, know, I can't say that I've had that happen on the street. <laughs> Somebody come up, let yeah. me see, let me sing this song for uh, you. And but that is awesome. I I'd let yeah. you sing, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so when people send me messages, like uh, someone I met in the Bart Station here in Oakland, um, uh, I sang for them, and I didn't even know they were from New Zealand, and they sent me a message and said. We were so motivated and inspired by your music. We want we want you to come out to New Zealand. You can stay. We own an island in New Zealand. You can stay on our island unlimited amount of time. Come whenever you want and do a show. And you can live here for free while you do your show. And I met them. Wow. They were a couple I met and offered a song in the Bart Station. And you can meet, if you really do it for the love, I'm not saying everybody's going to run into someone that's going to get them on the Nobel Peace Prize Award stage or the Olympics. Obviously, there's some element of luck, but that luck is more likely if you're doing it for the love and you're willing to do it anywhere. And I don't think there's truer words being spoken. So um, (laughs) very, very true. And I have one more question for you, but first, where can people find you? Where can they get a hold of you? Social media, websites, all that. Where's your corner of the internet? Oh, before I answer that question, I just want to make sure that the last question I clarified that. So the highlight of my career is the messages I get from people okay, about how they're moved, you know, like saying that this, this is how they were inspired. So I, t- I talked about it, but I didn't. I didn't know if it was clear enough what I was saying. I got but, you, but um, thank you for clarifying. Yeah, thanks. But um, so you can find me uh, on Pandora, iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal. Um, whatever you listen to, just type Rocky Peter and I will be there. And, um, <laughs> uh, and uh, my social media is I am Rocky Peter. Uh, and that's my Instagram and Twitter account. Okay. Uh, and my Facebook is Rocky Peter. It'd be hard for you to find the, the last, the, my Facebook. Um, it's, I'll put a link to it in the show notes if you want um, yeah, people I, to be able to contact you on Facebook. But go ahead and say the last name. Yeah, so Rocky Peter Ajoku. Uh, and uh, I, have two, I have two pages. That's my personal page, Rocky, Rocky Peter Ajoku. And my fan page is just Rocky Peter. Okay. Um, I use my personal page a lot more. Uh, maybe down the <laughs> line in the future, I'll use the fan page more uh, more often. So I want to thank you all so much for those of you that tuned in. I want to thank you so, so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to my story. Thank you for listening to me and Aaron uh, <laughs> talk. He's a pretty interesting guy. And 
Uh, I want to thank Erin and his girlfriend, who's actually here with us. She's just... <laughs> <laughs> she, she's silent right yeah, now. You want to say but... hi? No. <laughs> no? Okay. She's, yeah. she's speechless. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'd really appreciate it if you check out my music and follow my journey. My album will be out next year um, between March and April. Uh, and uh, just follow my journey. I, I have a lot of surprises for you. I have, I've written a lot. I've been writing music for a very long time, and I just can't wait to share all these things that I have. I don't have anywhere online. I have some things on, on YouTube, uh, but there are, there's a lot where that There's came a lot from of surprises that, coming your yeah, way. So. All right. I'm looking forward to hearing it. I'm looking forward to uh, – you said you're working on a book too. Is that correct? This is true. Yes, I'm, I'm working on a book. Um, you know, I'm still in the beginning phases of the book. And it's 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 going to be a very motivational book. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, so it's really all about motivation, which is what I'm about. Yeah. That is awesome, man. I, I look forward to checking that out as well. <laughs> and I, time for the final question of the show. Uh-huh. It's the title question of the show. Rocky Peter, how do you live uncontained? Well, what keeps me going, you know, always, uh, like I've said in the beginning, is the love for my craft, the passion, the absolute passion for my craft. Uh, And I think about why I do what I do, though. And um, I could have gone to medical school. I actually thought about going to medical school a lot, but... I felt like with music, I have a, a, I have a, a lot of things I want to share. I have messages that I want to share. Uh, it's a message of empowerment, empowering people that feel like it's impossible to achieve their goals and it's impossible to go to college. They will know my, they are likely to know my story through music rather than me being a doctor. Uh, and what keeps me going is the fact that I not only am passionate about what I do, but I want to inspire people. I want to promote uh, peace, love, and unity. I'm, I'm an imperfect vessel, but my mission is to use my platform and my exposure to promote peace, love, and unity. I believe that peace, love, and unity is a learning process. I just want to put this out there. I think there's a lot going on in our society here in the United States. Yeah. And I just want to touch up on something. There are some things I feel like we are too aggressive on, and that's uh, the issue of, uh, you know, people that may make racist comments. Yeah. And, or maybe, you know, say like sexist, at things and and then when they decide to change their mind they're called hypocrites it's like would you rather them keep doing that bad act <laughs> or would you i agree you know or would you have them like there were people that you know like that like oh you know like they were talking about you know donald trump recently and they're like oh yeah i voted for donald trump but you know like i don't support what he said and people uh recently about whatever it is and some people are like, well, you're a hypocrite. It's like, how is he a hypocrite? Like he's, and, and it, it, that's just an example, right? 
people but, can realize they made mistakes and change. Exactly. You know, and we should accept that instead of make it so they want to go back into their shell and be yeah what they were before is that what you're saying that's what i'm saying i'm saying that people are capable of changing people can make racist comments and still change from it you know like and when people are willing to change give them a chance don't keep saying you're a hypocrite and you know that's just gonna make them stay the same do we want do we want progress do we want people to change or do we want to you know keep creating hate and unnecessary anger and and pain you know um so i get it you know you have to be firm and if you don't agree with something you have to speak up but i just want to say when people show signs of changing give them a chance to change and and that's one thing i don't think we talk about enough in 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 pop culture and in the world uh that we live in today and that's why people go back to their shell and go back to being their old self because they want to relate. People want to relate to something. And if they already know, if they're already good at being racist or sexist uh, and they have to learn this new behavior of, you know, not being racist (laughs) and you're not giving them a chance, it's easier to go back to being racist, right? That is very true. So, you know, so um, I'm just using race as an example, but there are many, you know, out there and you guys all know what they are. So let's give people a chance and be willing to teach. We are all students and teachers of life. And um, every day we can learn something new. Being peaceful is a learning process. Showing uh, love to people, it's also a learning process. You know, knowing how to say the right things to people, being kind. We can learn anything, really. You can learn to hate. You can learn to love. So let's be willing to teach people how to love. Very well said, man. And and I am so glad that I bumped into you in Safeway with my three ice creams. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we started this conversation because this is, for me, it's been an inspiring interview. Oh, thanks. And I'm uh, touched by your story, man. And I am thrilled to have you on my show. If you want to come back and uh, talk some more, I'd be happy to have a part two fantastic and we can talk about your book when it comes out down the road your new cd when it comes out yeah. and um i just want to say thank you and i have one final thing for you to do cool <laughs> and that is sign off the show will you do me the honor of signing off the show tonight yeah so um a lot of people say this old cliche saying that the sky is the limit uh if you really believe in in what you're doing, and I think you get where I'm going with that, uh, the sky is not the limit. You know, <laughs> we're limitless. <laughs> nice. You know, so I'm Rocky Peter, and I'm grateful to be here with Aaron, and I I really grateful appreciate time. this uh, conversation. It's been amazing. He's an awesome guy, and I live uncontained. And that does it for episode 92 of Uncontained with Rocky Peter. And it just goes to prove, talk to people while you're out and about. Don't have your head in your cell phone. You might meet the next guest to your podcast or just somebody cool like Rocky. And I hope you enjoyed this episode and hopefully we're inspired by it as well. So thank you for listening 
And don't forget about the pre-Black Friday sale going on at tpublic.com. You can get uncontained merchandise for Christmas and support the show. Thank you for listening, and until next time, live uncontained. Thanks again for listening, and remember, next week, Uncontained will be back with brand new episodes with Ying Liu and JV Torres. Talked about those a little bit at the top of the show. But enjoy your holidays and eat lots and lots of Thanksgiving food. And don't let the tryptophan get the best of you. All right. Until next time, live uncontained.